Hello again, a very happy new year to you and a warm welcome to the first 2024 edition of the Sports Huddle, brought to you as ever by the Leeds Hospital Radio Sports Team. I'm Tony Chalk and I'm joined on this edition by Jim Walker, Alan Breeze and Bill Dale to look at what's making the local sporting news this week. Now, our regular listeners may have noticed that we were off air for a couple of weeks at the end of last year and that our regular producer and presenter Ian Marston isn't with us this week. Well, that's because Ian has recently had some uh, some family health issues to deal with. But it's good to be able to report that things have now started moving in the right direction. And the whole of the team send our very best wishes to Ian and his family. And we look forward to having him back here in the hot seat as soon as possible. One thing's for sure, he's certainly going to have plenty to look at this year in what promises to be a bumper sporting year of 2024. The Euros and the Olympic Games and Paralympic Games look set to dominate the summer months. And more immediately, there's the Australian Open Tennis, the Six Nations Championship, England's Test Tour of India and the start of Super League season to look forward to. But this weekend is set to be dominated by one of the great events of the year, the third round of the FA Cup. And it's with football that we're going to kick off this week's edition. But before we look ahead, it's probably a good time to reflect on where things have uh, stand for our local clubs at this halfway stage of the season. So, guys, Leeds United, I suppose you'd say that uh, it's better than it could have been after the early part of the season, but there are still some worrying bumps to smooth out. Bill, you're a long-standing Leeds United fan. What's your half-term report? Well, um I think you hit the nail on the head there. It started badly back in uh, back in August, and they seemed to get their stride. I think, uh, on reflection, Fark uh, Daniel Farker came in and dealt with a very difficult window of uh, shipping out players on loan. Um, those players that he's brought in, um, Ethan Ampadu, um, uh, Hero, um, Jed Spence, one or two of the loan signings. I think generally the, the feeling is he's done pretty well. Uh, Joe Rodon uh, deserves a mention uh, there. They then went on a bit of a run. I think the challenge has been uh, that Leicester City and Ipswich Town set off at such a cracking pace. It looked like the two of them were just going to run away with it. Um, and it does still look, and I can see a smile on Jim's face as I'm going to say this, um, that Leicester, um, on 65 points after 26 games, clearly are going to run away with it. Um, I always felt that Ipswich probably wouldn't quite stay the course, and it was just a case of trying to re- reel them in a little bit. Um, and, of course, Leeds beat them 4-0 um, on the 23rd of December, just before Christmas. And just sort of set up that opportunity um, mm-hmm. to hunt them down and then lost the next two games against Preston uh, West Brom. Lost keeper Melier, um out for three games um, and thankfully stormed back with a 3-0 uh, against uh, Birmingham at the, uh, at the weekend. Um, but it's not just about Leicester and Ipswich and Leeds. Um, Southampton have jumped in front of Leeds uh, on the back of a a phenomenal run of four wins and a draw in the last uh, five games, whereas uh, Leeds have gone uh, draw, win, lose, lose, win. Um, And it's going to be a bit of a battle. Um, uh, Ipswich, meanwhile, are going backwards. Um, We we, we could have overtaken them now with just a bit of a decent run. Um, They've had four draws and a defeat in the last five games. Um, So I I think the sort of um, long expected slowdown 
in Ipswich's uh, progress um, has uh, has happened. It's just that Leeds haven't taken advantage and uh, it looks like Southampton have. Long way to go, 20 games to the end of the season. Um, but uh, um, we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see what the window brings because I've been saying, um, and I sound like a broken record here, can we please have a left back? Because if we have a left back, we then have a right back because you can either move Sam Byram or Jed Spence to right back. And you can then move Archie Gray into midfield. And it just is like a jigsaw without missing a piece of the puzzle. Um, but uh, I've said it so many times. I can't believe that they're not going to do it this time. <laughs> we shall see, no doubt. Um, Alan, your thoughts on Leeds? Well, uh, similar to Bill, uh, the one thing I would add is um, the, the live games I've seen down at Elland Road, uh, I've seen two draws. Uh, I saw Sheffield Wednesday early on when they played very, very well did Sheffield Wednesday, got a draw nil-nil. And then I saw the Coventry game, also a draw. And both of those occasions, the defensive lineup of uh, the away side nullified Leeds. Um, I also observed quite a few uh, away fixtures, and they've lost too many away fixtures, really. The home form overall has been good. Um, my question is, have the rest of the league worked out Leeds United? Um, you can't fault the fact that uh, with Somerville, Piro and James, they've got three very potent goal scorers. But if the, see, the team they're playing sets up properly, they'll get a draw or maybe even a win. And as the pressure builds towards the latter part of the season, that could be quite critical. Um, I think with regard to Ipswich, frankly, they've done very well. I don't see them making it. I think Leeds will, will go up, probably through the playoffs. That's a brave prediction. Leads to go up through the playoffs, I'd say. Yeah, well, we'll see. They've not got a great record in playoffs. Um, yeah, it, it seems to me that, that, that when uh, teams set up uh, in away games, really, to basically stop them playing and then, then look that, to hit them on, on the break, that's when they can come unstuck a bit because they look, to me, pretty insipid at uh, Sunderland, at Stoke. Preston and, and also West Brom in truth for most of the game um, so yeah I think there are some issues there. Jim your thoughts on that and also I think I have to ask you are Leicester going to stroll it now for the rest of the season? Um, I think like Bill um, as far as Leicester are concerned um, they need to negotiate the transfer window because there's always the risk that teams in the Premier League who are in danger suddenly find a load of cash um, and they attempt to purchase players who they believe have got premiership quality. Um, and there's no doubt in Leicester's case, they've got certainly four or five of those. Um, so it'd be good to get over that. The other thing that Leicester have got to get over is this wretched African Cup of Nations where um, they lose more players um, than the three immediate challengers put together. Um, now, it's been slightly helped if that's the right word, by the fact that um, Ndidi um, is injured and has withdrawn from the Nigerian squad. So if he recovers, he may well be back be back quicker. Um, and the other thing that's helped them is that Fatou, the right winger, um, has not been selected by Ghana, which was a bit of a surprise because of the way he'd been playing. But um, 
Um, but I think Leicester have, have got too much, to be perfectly honest, for everybody else. Um, and I think they will take one of the automatic places. And I think, as Bill said, normally there's a bit of a battle for both places, automatic, and there's not this year. I think there'll only be one. Um, and Southampton have got into a, into a pattern now. And I think, as I've said on previous occasions on this programme, the last match of the season is Leeds versus Southampton at Elland Road. Um, and I've thought for a few weeks now that that actually might be um, a winner-take-all um, fixture. Um, I, I don't think it's lost. Whichever one of those two doesn't get in automatically, I think is likely to come through the playoffs. But the, the playoffs are a, a dicey business. Um, but I think Fark's experience of getting teams up will actually see Leeds through. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if it's not Leicester, Leeds and Southampton that end up going uh, going back up. Um, yes, as far yes. as Leeds are concerned, um, I thought they played very well against Leicester. Um, and I think for me, it's a case of whether they can they play that best 11 every week. Because it was interesting over the Christmas period when they lost a few games, that best 11 didn't turn out. Um, and I'm just a bit concerned for Leeds that some of their replacement squad players aren't quite as good as a, as a unit than their first first 11. Um, if you want a left back, uh, rumour is that Luke Thomas is going to be released by Sheffield United and sent back to Leicester. Um, Luke Thomas is a good left back. Um, and uh, if I was Leeds, I would certainly be monitoring Luke Thomas um, going back um, going back to Leicester, where he, he's probably not going to get in the team because of the way they set up. But um, but he is a good player, is Luke Thomas. Um, so I offer you offer you Luke Thomas as a as a freebie, if you like. <laughs> well, I've no doubt that Dan Neil Farker listens to this podcast every week, so uh, he may well take. Uh, take we'll, 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 we'll take it. We'll take him. We'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> there we yes, are. he's so good for Leeds. I think uh, I think they're all right. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it certainly it, it looks uh, reasonably promising, and they just need to put a good run together and get some better away results. So let's move on to uh, Huddersfield Town uh, next. Uh, well, it's uh, it's been a struggle. It was a struggle last season, and Alan, it's been a struggle this season, and it looks like it's going to continue to be a struggle, doesn't it, for the rest of the season? Well, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, the, the word struggle and other speech have become synonymous for the last, don't know how many years. Uh, what a wonderful time uh, we had when they got promotion to the Premiership and indeed, amazingly, hung on for a year. But it has, it's been a struggle. They've, they've had different managers, they've had different owners. And um, right now, um, we always wish them the best. They're a wonderful club to do business with. Um, amongst the, uh, I'm not going to rank all of our teams that we, we report on, but uh, there's always a friendly, uh, helpful experience when we go to to Huddersfield. Um, on the on the helpful side uh, today, they've signed um, on loan. Um, Alex Matos uh, from Chelsea is uh, a young, only 19 years old uh, midfielder, ex-Luton and Norwich. Um, so I guess. Um, that would be a little bit of an impetus there. They've recalled also Brody Spencer right back. But so many times, um, I often make a joke of it. I, whenever I do commentary on Huddersfield, 
there's a different 11 every time I go. So it takes me the first half to find out who's playing. Uh, and I think that's part of the problem. There's no settled side. Um, they they sign players you've never heard of, but we do wish them the best. Uh, I'm coming to wishing the best. Um, Man City on Sunday. Well, um, our, our lead commentator Steve Townsend's over there. Um, I don't. I hope he doesn't have to leave early or, or lose his count of the score at some point. Because uh, frankly, um, if um, if Man City play their second team, I can't see Huddersfield getting anything out of that. Was it ten nil they lost uh, not not so long ago at uh, at Man City? But then they followed it up with a nil nil draw. Uh, so there we go. <laughs> Looking back at recent performances, um, they weren't really at the races away at Leicester, nor would we expect them to, to be. They are in 21st uh, uh, place. They lost with a late uh, winner at home to Middlesbrough. And then surprisingly beat Blackburn, who are a bit of uh, a very uh, up and down side. 3-0 to Black, uh, Blackburn. Uh, Norwich away 2-0, you might have expected that. And an away draw with a 97th minute equaliser. Uh, 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 so... I really didn't know what to say other than to wish them the very best for 2024. And I, I hope that we'll be watching championship football next year. Yeah, that probably uh, is as, as much. Well, it's certainly as much as we can hope for. We'll keep our fingers crossed that they can uh, drag themselves away from those lower reaches in the second half of the season. Now, um, staying with you, uh, Alan Bradford City. Uh, they made a, a poor start, um, sacked Mark Hughes, uh, and the new manager, um, Alexander, isn't it? Graham Alexander seems yeah. to have got things moving in the right direction, although they had a blip last Saturday, of course. But before that, he put together a decent run. Uh, yeah, we said uh, four consecutive victories uh, in, in the league, and then they've just gone and gone draw at home to uh, Morecambe, draw at home to Stockport, and the lot away at Crewe. So... It's not like quite quite like Huddersfield Town. Um, they're two leagues below Huddersfield. Again, they're a lovely club to work with. Um, they've withdrawn uh, Luke Young, 16 goals for Swindon, who's come back. Uh, Swindon uh, going nowhere with um, some of the, the, the financial problems or what have you. But Bradford City, 13th place, will they get? They won't get automatic. Will they get in the playoffs? I don't, I don't know. Uh, they ought to, but we keep saying this. Um, Graham Alexander is a very sensible, down-to-earth manager. Whether he's going to be there as a long-term uh, manager or not, time will tell, but I'm not convinced that uh, City are going to be going up this year. Right. Well, after last year, I know they certainly had high hopes, didn't they? And disappointing, really, that, that Mark Hughes couldn't carry on from there. But uh, if uh, if Bradford are likely to be disappointed with where they are in the table, they're on the same number of points, I think, as Harrogate Town. I think Jim Harrogate will be very pleased with that, especially given some wretched home form on occasions. Absolutely ecstatic, uh, Tony. I think um, if ever there was a, a season, two contrasting seasons, it's last year and this year. Um, last year, in the uh, summer transfer window before last season started, they signed 16 players um, and they never gelled. 
which is not surprising. We signed as many players as that. It's not surprising. This year, they were much more sensible. Hardly signed anybody in the summer, but did make two or three quality um, additions to the team. Um, and they've got on a run. I mean, in the last five, they've won three, um, drawn one, uh, and then had the loss to Tranmere. Uh, Tranmere themselves were on a roll for consecutive wins. Um, and they're 18 points clear of the, uh, I think it's 18 points clear of the, of the bottom. Uh, sorry, 16 points clear of the bottom. And they're only 17 points away from the top. So they are as much in the middle of the table as it's possible to be. Um, and I think Division 2 this year will really be quite exciting because there are so many teams that with two or three wins can get very close. I mean, Arrogate and Bradford are only five points off the playoffs. Um, and you only need a couple of wins. Um, and all of a sudden, you begin to think, well, hang on a minute, we're, we're, in, with a, we're in with a shout here. Um, and Harrogate's next three games, uh, they play the league matches this Saturday, of course, because although the mm. Cup's on, there are league matches. So Harrogate are playing Doncaster at home on Saturday, uh, who are 19th. They're playing Forest Green the week after, who are 24th. And then an even easier game the week after that, they play Grimsby, who are 20th. So absolutely nailed on for at least, um, at least six points out of those nine, I would think. Um, Doncaster on Saturday is an interesting one, though, because Doncaster themselves were in some sort of poor run of form, three three successive losses, and they were playing Milton Keynes, who'd had three successive wins. And lo and behold, Doncaster went and beat them 3-0. And then, to make it even worse for Harrogate's uh, preparations for Saturday, they went and got a draw with Mansfield. Uh, And Mansfield are right up the top, and vying with uh, Stockport to be uh, to be champions. But as far as Harrogate are concerned, um, I'm absolutely thrilled for them. Um, they've got a settled side now. They've managed to sort the defence out. They're hoping to uh, hold on to the goalkeeper who they got back on loan. Um, and now the January transfer window's open. Uh, Simon Weaver has said he's trying to um, make um, uh, the uh, the goalkeeper's position permanent. Um, and that will be a great help because they have no goalkeeping cover whatsoever. Uh, two main goalkeepers are both injured um, and the other goalkeeper is out on loan at Hartlepool's and the show seems to be no indication they're going to um, um, recall him. Um, if indeed they can, I don't know what the, term, the terms of the loan were. Um, Luke Armstrong's moved on to Carlisle. Uh, and so no activity so far in the transfer window which doesn't surprise me because of the squad that we've got. Um, but it may just be that if there is a, a spare centre-forward kicking around, um, Harrogate would want that. That's, the, that's where they're weakest. And their other weak point is that they can't play 90 minutes. Or they, well, they can play 90 minutes. They can't play 95 minutes. Um, <laughs> virtually every week, you'll see that the other team score uh, in the added time at the end of normal time. Um, sometimes it doesn't matter, but other times it does. So very pleased with Harrogate. Just need to maintain that momentum now. Yeah, and I see the game on Saturday kicks off at one o'clock. Interesting. I don't know what the reason is for that, but um, that's the, that's where it is. And Bradford City also uh, they, out of the FA Cup. They have a, a, a league game on Saturday against Crawley, who are the team just above them in the table. And I'm, I'm sort of looking vaguely to see if any of you know whether we're actually covering that one on Saturday or not. It may be no, on. 
I don't think we are, um, Tony. But, uh, right. but may I just, may I just add a, a, a slight embellishment to Jim's report there, uh, which is uh, up to its usual high standards. Uh, ah, yes, of course I shouldn't allow you to write a quite reply. Quite as, uh, as accurate as I would wish it to be. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, I think uh, in, in order, I, I think uh, I wish Harrogate all the best in getting six points out of the nine, uh, starting uh, on Saturday and following with an away win at Forest Green. I, I really do hope that the goalkeeper uh, doesn't get too badly injured away at the um, the ground that should never be allowed in the Football League. Um, Nailsworth, it's a beautiful place to go and retire, but not to go and watch football. But then, of course, they're up against the the um the match the reason that doncaster is a one o'clock kickoff is that doncaster have got quite a lot of um shall i say unruly supporters so they're, they've been sort of uh put to play on the on the north yorkshire police's advice for uh, right. one o'clock unlike the, the the third game jim mentioned there the mighty mariners of grimsby is a three o'clock kickoff now normally grimsby games do get brought forward slightly but on this occasion uh the grimsby fans Love going to Betty's. So they won't be in the pubs. They will be in Betty's on their way to hopefully a brilliant away victory. And uh, I'm going there with my grandson, who actually plays for Harrogate Railway. But on this occasion, All right. yeah, yeah, he's going to watch his second, the second time in his life. Uh, he's only nine. Um, he's going to watch uh, uh, the, the Harrogate um, town. So I hope it'll be a good game and it's not too wet. Thank you very much for that. Yes, I, I hope it is a good game. And I, I should, of course, point out that other confectioners are available in Harrogate. Um, so let, let's move on then from, from from that to the third round of the FA Cup coming up this weekend. It's already started as we record on, on Thursday evening. Crystal Palace against Everton uh, in, the, in the first match of the third round. And it's nil-nil, I see, after half an hour. Uh, but two of our local sides are still involved. Leeds United, I think the 14th successive away draw they've had in the FA Cup. This time they're at London Road. They're away to Peterborough United. And you'd look at that bill and you'd say, yeah, that should be a comfortable win. But Leeds have had some rather embarrassing results against lower league sides in the FA Cup in recent years. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a different... Well, the, the, the FA Cup, what, what what is it anymore? I mean, it used to be this, that special weekend, didn't it? And this fantastic... Uh, uh, amazing cup that just sort of slipped down the pecking order, really. Mm. And um, um, I'd just be really interested to see what sort of side that Farker puts out. You know, does he see the FA Cup as a, a distraction and an irritation um, and mm. put the kids out there and, and, and give Peterborough a chance? Equally, Peterborough are third um, in, in, in League One. Um, they're just four points from the top of the table. Um, they've been on a good run. Uh, Darren Ferguson is manager for the fourth time uh, <laughs> down there. Um, and you wonder just how seriously he's going to take it. Um, he, he's going to make the same mindset. So it could be lead reserves against Peterborough reserves. We don't know. Um, on the other hand, um, they may fancy the chances. Um, so um, it's a really difficult round to predict. I mean, yes, I, I'm sure Leeds will will win. They're, they're, they've got a better squad than, than Peterborough, but it's just a question of um, which chess pieces end up on the board. We'll wait and see. But, uh, yeah, if, if you gave me a tenner and said, 
pop down to William Hills and uh, uh, other bookmakers are available uh, and put it on one team or the other, it will be on Leeds. Hey, that's yeah, a bold call, William. I think that's <laughs> a very bold call. <laughs> Peterborough sitting third in League One. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm, I think they'll, be, I think no they'll be fancying it. Um, um, and the other interesting thing, of course, is that there are no midweek games this week. So there is no excuse, really, for anybody not putting out, other than those that are involved in the EFL Cup or whatever it's called, um, not putting out a, a decent uh, a decent team for this. But uh, I, I think, uh, am I right in saying there's no ex- there's no replays or do the replays, no replay will not come in until the fourth or the fifth round? I think, I, think later, I think you may be right. Yeah, I think you may I be right. Late. I think it's later. Mm. I think it's no, later, later on, so there could be a replay. Yeah. I think, uh, I think uh, they allow replays for the small clubs to have the... Yeah, all right. I might give Leeds on the replay then, Bill. Yeah. The, the, the other thing is it'll be interesting to see which goalkeeper Leeds United play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Melier is mm. suspended for three games. I think he might be available for this one for the FA Cup. I think that's... Oh, um, yes, that's true, yeah. Um, uh, Clarsen, um filled in at the last minute. It's his first game of any shape or form since February for Leeds United when Carl Darlow um, signed in the close season from Newcastle as the sub-goalkeeper, um, I think, had dislocated his thumb. Um, so yeah. uh, I, I think the, the, the choice of keeper might take, tell you the mindset of the manager um, when, we, uh, when we see the team at uh, 2 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, Leeds, um, I guess, starts as favourites, but the potential banana skin for them. Um, we heard Alan's views earlier on Huddersfield Town's chances of creating an upset at uh, Manchester City on, on, on Sunday. Um, Jim and Bill, do either of you give Huddersfield any chance whatsoever of doing anything in that match? No. No. Thank you. Right. Well, I think that's <laughs> We'll see if we've got egg on any faces next week. You'll tell Steve Fairmonton not to bother going, then. <laughs> I'm sure there's, everybody there's will be able to... Make, I don't think. No. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure he will be well looked after there, so it'll be a nice trip for him for the day, but uh, I can't see him bring you back much good news. OK, we'll leave, uh, we'll, we'll leave the, the football there for, for this week and uh, see how, uh, how it all works out come the, at the end of the weekend and see what the draw brings for the next round, if indeed we've got any teams still in it at that stage. Let's move on to cricket then, and um, we wanted to talk about the fortunes of the England White Ball squad just for Christmas because we didn't really review that and that series in the West Indies went on uh, the two within two or three days of, of Christmas but we'll come back to that because uh, more recently the uh, interminable situation at Yorkshire County Cricket Club seems to have looks as though it might be moving to some sort of resolution um, uh, because having been in a position, I think, 12 months ago where it was reckoned that Colin Graves had been asked to come back as chairman. He then wasn't going to be asked to come back as chairman. Uh, And then he was interested in coming back and then he withdrew from it. And then there were possible Saudi interest. And then there was possible interest from American investors and the Indian Premier League. Uh, And then we had uh, the favourite fear to be Mike Ashley's group uh, who were looking to buy the ground and the uh, marketing rights and lease it back and now we hear that uh, Colin Graves looks as though he's in the pole position again. Now Bill you're our cricket producer uh, 
What's the news on the wires for this one, do you think? Um, well, it, it's pretty much as you've summed it up. Uh, uh, apparently, um, uh, I think the quote is that Colin Graves has reached an agreement, um, uh, in his words, subject to contract. I think there's some minor issues contractually that needed to be tidied up. Um, and uh, I think he'd been given exclusivity to resolve those issues until the 5th, which at the time of recording is uh, uh, it's Thursday evening, um, is tomorrow. Um, so I think we can probably expect, um, if all goes smoothly, some sort of uh, uh, announcement that um, Colin Graves has, uh, um, or his consortium have, have taken over uh, Yorkshire. Um, but on the bit of reading I did beforehand, it, it, it's, there's talk of... Um, debt for equity uh the the yorkshire county cricket club um owe uh, the graves trust something in the order of 16 million pounds uh, in addition to um uh, several millions of pounds to other um uh creditors um and the debt for equity um sort of brings up some questions for me i mean how many other cricket clubs are corporate and owned by shareholders um I'm not a member, but you are, Tony. Um, uh, where do your membership stand? Are you a, a season ticket holder? Um, it's just a rather um, uh, strange arrangement for cricket. It's, it's sort of almost a football type arrangement that's uh, brought into a sport that um, traditionally has been um, members clubs. Yeah, the, the other interesting one, of course, that it throws up is that um, one of the reasons that Yorkshire acquired all this debt was buying the ground back in the early 2000s. The reason they bought the ground was that they were told uh, by the ECB at that stage that they had to own the ground, otherwise they wouldn't be allocated any international fixtures. Now, presumably, uh, based on, on this deal, uh, Yorkshire won't own the ground anymore. It'll be co the consortium that owns the ground. So, where does that leave that stipulation, or is that just conveniently being parked behind the sofa for present purposes? I, I, I genuinely don't know. The devil will be in the detail. Um, mm, indeed so. Indeed but, so. Uh, having said that, uh, Headingley has produced some of the most <laughs> fine um, test matches in the last uh, 20 or 30 years, and um, I'm sure will remain on the Premier or Premier 2 uh, rotor uh, behind Lords and the Oval. Yeah, Alan, you were obviously were involved as cricket producer for, for, for many years at Headingley. What's your reading of it? Well, <clears throat> I, I've got no insight into the Colin Graves situation, um, but I think the situation, uh, and I'm trying to answer an earlier question, I believe of the 18 counties, 15 are still members' clubs uh, and three are not, um, and Yorkshire are amongst the 15. Um, but sort of hovering over all of this is um, the, the hundred. And um, is it Yorkshire Cricket Club or is it a Northern Superchargers or Durham want to go alone? So is it the Yorkshire Superchargers and what? So and uh, are we going to end up having? I don't know. Um, it really is. It's we're at the crossroads, I think. Um, the ECB seems to think that uh, English cricket can make a load of money out of franchising the hundred. Nobody else in the world is interested in it. And um, frankly, I wouldn't want to be taking on um, the Indian power of Indian and the big bash in Australia uh, trying to wave the flag of the hundred. 
to me, it makes no sense at all. Um, it's very worrying and it's very confusing. Uh, the best I've heard is, if any of you are interested, is look at the Chairman of Lancashire, of all places, statement on some of this. And his his view is for Lancashire, they would go with the 100, provided that it did not exceed the number of weeks currently assigned to it, i.e. three during August. And Lancashire would continue to take part fully. They are, of course, Manchester originals uh, in this, this form. So they would continue to support all forms of the game, the county championship, the T20 uh, and the 50 over, which he sees as a very important part of it, but restrict the, the, the 100 to three weeks. And that's what he's been briefing the Lancashire members. Now, that may be a, a, a sensible, pragmatic compromise. I don't know. But it's a mess. The whole thing's a mess. Um, and it's compounded in Yorkshire's case by the financial disaster overlain by <laughs> the, the issue on, on, on um, race and what have you. It's, it's awful. Jim, return of Colin Graves, good thing, bad thing, not sure, to be clarified. Well, I, I think whoever is uh, in charge of the club, it doesn't alter the fact that you've got to get cash through the turnstiles or through the through the, the club's books. Um, and that, to me, is the underlying problem, and particularly this year when there's no test match. Um so you only need a bad summer weather-wise, um, and all of a sudden your cash flow is in dire straits. So whoever takes it on has got to have deep pockets, um, and it's a high-risk venture. Now, you can understand in a sense why it's debt for equity on the basis that you acquire the ground. Therefore, you have got an asset which any aspiring estate agent will be able to sell for you, presumably. Um but um, it's it's a, a risky venture and all credit to Colin Graves that he's prepared to put his hand in his pocket for such a large amount when he's already indebted to the club by a, a substantial amount as well. So it all depends how how he goes about it. But he is a bright business person. You've got to say that. Um um, and I, and an interesting what Alan said. I wasn't aware that there actually th- there were three counties who weren't uh, members only members only clubs. So that's that's quite an interesting option. Um, I mean, it always seems a bit of an anachronism to me that you have these members members clubs running an elite elite sport. But I think cricket is behind the eight ball when it comes to modern ways of doing business and so on and so forth. I mean the. The organisation is not a, um, you know, it's not a slick, it's not a Premier League club type operation, or even, you know, a, a Championship or a, a League One club probably operation. It's, it's, it's only recently where they, they've, they've had sort of anything like a professional structure running, running the club. It seems to me. Um, so I await this announcement with interest. What difference it makes is probably going to depend on whether Yorkshire can get back into Division 1, because 
you know, it's all about what players you're going to attract. I mean, I'd much rather be talking, to be honest, about who's going to be captain next year and what's Shah Massoud going to actually be doing, poor chap. Is he going to be able to play? Is he, is he, is he committed or is he going to need time off after he's sort of sojourned with Pakistan in, uh, um, uh, in Australia and other things like that? But until this is sorted out, we just need resolving now, uh, whoever it is. Because you know, that will be behind the scenes, uh, and what really going to count, as far as Yorkshire people are concerned, is what happens on the pitch. There's yeah. just a... Jim, I think, I think Masood has, has committed to having a significant input, um, but there are others. I mean, uh, David David Milan is uh, hardly going to play for Yorkshire. Um, he's on the books, but he's not playing red ball, is he? I mean, you know, <laughs> so. So, uh, you know, can we sign Travis Head double quick? I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't know what money is available for, for, for this sort of an investment for a second division county who, when they're certainly when they're playing away, will play in front of the proverbial three men and a dog and the dog will be asleep. You know, I mean, you know, so, so who, who can Yorkshire attract that, that is going to want to play red ball cricket? Well, on a, on a positive note on that one, Joe Root has declined to go back to Rajasthan Royals in the IPL um, and is potentially available for up to seven championship games at the beginning of the season. Uh, that will ultimately be determined by the ECB, who, to whom is centrally contracted. But one hopes that perhaps four or five um, full matches, uh, we might see uh, um, some talent that we've produced um, turning out and playing championship cricket. Maybe we should have somebody like Sherlock Holmes or even Moriarty (laughs) on our side. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. for for what it's worth, my uh, my understanding of the uh, of 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 the Graves deal, if it comes through, is that I think the Graves Consortium would own the ground, and that Yorkshire would get a ninety-nine year rent-free lease on it. I, th- I think that, from what I can, from what I've heard, that seems to be the arrangement that's being proposed. But it, as we say, the devil's in the detail. There's a, there's a lot to go under the bridge yet, and uh, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But it does look, at the moment, as if Colin Graves will be back uh, in charge of Yorkshire cricket, as he was indeed in charge of England cricket for a while. Um, and I just wonder what his thoughts might have been on uh, the demise of the England white ball team. Who wants to kick off on this one? Well, I'll, yep. I'll have a go if, if you I'll want. Go on, yep. Yep. Um, well, firstly, if you look at, um, shall we call it a shambles? Uh, oh, I'm yep. not sure Good word. Uh, Good uh, word. head coach uh, Mott would see it quite that way. But uh, So we saw uh, the 50-over the World Cup. Um, it's probably so long ago people have either forgotten or can't be bothered. Um, so with a, a renewed group of uh, talented youngsters, um, England go to the West Indies and they managed to lose some T20 games uh, remarkably. Uh, lost that series 2-1 and uh, flickered into life briefly in the 50 overs. Um and managed to lose that 3-2. Um, whilst all that was happening, I know it's not strictly on the agenda, the ladies <laughs> would have been actually saying how well they've done over over the years, managed to lose a test match 
by a massive, was it 347 runs and a knees, um, the world's gone mad. And um, let's just hope this is a blip, because if it isn't, <laughs> uh, it doesn't really matter whether we've got international cricket heading because nobody's going to watch it. Hmm. Yeah. Jim? Um, I just wonder whether um, the amount of money that is now paid to these white ball cricketers as in England has got to the stage where they're not as hungry as some of these other countries um, and that they they turn up um, and but they're not fully committed to their task every time and in such a short format of the game um, whether that actually makes a difference. Now having said that this is transition um, I think you've got to be pleased with the way that Ahmed has come into the team. He seems as if he's got some talent. Quite why he's, in a sense, still languishing in Division 2 of the Championship is a bit worrying. Um, but nevertheless, um, um, he, he, is, he is, looks as if he's going to be useful. But they badly need some runs and some consistent runs. And I thought they were getting there uh, in a couple of the games. But, I mean, not to beat West Indies, I mean, there's a a world championship coming up in there. I mean, you push them against the likes of India, can't really see that there's anything there. I mean, bowling-wise, they just seem adrift, to be honest. They don't... I mean, the fact that Chris Wokes... I mean, nice chap though Chris Wokes is, and useful though he is with a red ball in English conditions, to see him actually winning you a World Cup in the short format of the game seems to me to be so far adrift as to suggest that, you know, there is just a shortage. Curran seems to have lost, lost his, his, his line or his mojo or whatever you want to call it. The other Curran seems to have lost everything. Um, <laughs> and, um, uh, he's lost his head, he has. Um, uh, <laughs> and, um, uh, and, and I just wonder where the bowling, um, prowess in that form of the game is going to come from. Cause Mark Wood was supposed to be the great hope, but he doesn't seem to do anything. Now, whether Joffre Archer can be persuaded to turn out, but, I mean, it's a big ask for Joffre Archer to win the game single-handed. Um, so, you know, it, it's gone wrong at both ends. They've all got old together. Um, they've not blooded the replacements in sufficient numbers progressively, so there's a seamless transfer. And now they're back at back at square one. And, and sad to say, I think it probably requires an Owen Morgan-type uh, leader to uh, um, knock their heads together and get them playing again. Yeah, Bill, there's a T20 World Cup coming up in the Caribbean and, and the US in, what, six months' time from now, uh, I guess. Um, what are England's chances? Have they got any chance of, of defending it? Well, you, you just don't know. Um, I, I, I think um, Jim hit the nail and they had with the word transition there, and uh, um, the, old, the, the old great team um, that won both um, formats all grew old together, and I think there was a bit of complacency really in selection going out to uh, uh, to India. Um, I read a, an alarming stat that I think the entire squad, all every single player, if you took the number of domestic 50-over games that they played between World Cups, it was three matches. And that was uh, the young Atkinson, the uh, the bowler, who played those. Nobody plays 50-over cricket anymore. 
football. Um, and um, so I, th- I think we're into a transition stage. Um, you saw some bright sparks out there in the Caribbean. Obviously, it's not the instant team. Um, and it's a question of how, have they got time to put that squad together and, and for everybody to to understand and um, meld together and, and, and define their roles in that time. One would imagine probably not. Um, but, um, you know, sports littered with stories, isn't it, of the most unlikely heroes. They, uh, you think about the, uh, the Danish team being whistled off the beach to go and win the Euros um, when Yugoslavia um, <laughs> felt a bit. So um, if you just find that little bit of magic, um, maybe with a bowling combination or a, um, the right opening partnership that seems to be comfortable with the power play, who knows? But um, again, I, I wouldn't be betting on it. Indeed not. Indeed not. Well, that's, uh, that just about wraps up our, our look at the uh, current sporting situation and brings us to our usual highlight of the program which are the various highlights of the week and we'll stick with you bill for the first one well i'm not going to go for darts i'll let somebody else do uh, do that one I, I had a choice of two um and i'm gonna go with um emma Raducanu, um coming back playing a game of tennis and winning it and she got through to the second round i think it was out in uh, uh, Auckland um, and looked like she was going to win the second game but uh, I think um, it was taken to a third set and it was just too much for her physically um, but I just wish the young lady uh, well uh, and I wish her some wiseness as well um, she's had um, ankle surgery so surgery on her wrists and so on wretched um, look um, and people sort of uh, accusing that she's going to be a one-hit wonder. The poor girl's only 21. Give her a chance. Um, she's, I think, ranked uh, World 301, but got protected status at um, 103. Um, and I just hope that she can just, you know, lower her horizons a little bit, aim for getting to the last 16 or the last eight of some competitions and build back. Um, and when I say a bit wiser, I hope she can find a coach and commit to that coach and listen to that coach. I think there's been uh, far too much bad advice in the background, but uh, great to see you back on the scene. Indeed so, yeah. yeah. So, Alan, do you want to do the darts? Well, I I can do. Uh, (laughs) I can't can't remember when I last watched darts, but I got wind of this this young lad, uh, Luke Littler, Manchester United supporter, 16 years old. He, lo- he looks as though he's 35. Um, in fact, I saw a picture of him when he was 12 and he looked 20. Uh, but he started playing darts when he was about three. Uh, this man, this well, boy, it's just remarkable. He just kept plugging away, getting uh, treble 20s. And um, he was expecting to, to win his first game maybe and then come back after Christmas and he just kept winning and it was just fantastic I mean it was it was a it, it really was a, a wonderful story and he gets to the final uh, plays Luke Humphreys so it's two Lukes together uh, Luke Humphreys is a Leeds United uh, sport I believe I believe he's either born in Newbury or he's, from, he's living there now um, he is from, born, born in Newbury yeah yeah and uh, last night, um, the final, which was absolutely berserk, um, there was no bad language. There was everybody was enjoying themselves. Um, there was no VAR. 
I mean, the, the whole thing was entertainment wall to wall in my mind. <laughs> and uh, 3.7 million viewers watching a Sky Sports channel of a low value. And 4-2 up is 16-year-old. He needed double two to go 5-2 mm. up. He missed mm. it by two millimetres. Mm. Who knows what might have happened, but he didn't. And Humphreys, he came back. I forget how many 180s, which for the, the non-darts um, expert uh, is the maximum you can get with three darts. He got 20 plus in one match. That's just unbelievable. It's never been done before. Uh, I think he's won 18, 19 now consecutive uh, games. World number one. What a fantastic player. So he's been overlooked a wee bit because this 16-year-old yeah. upstarts had all the publicity. And there's this guy at 28 who's played the most fantastic final you'll ever see in a lifetime. And... Um, I'm not usually short on words, but wow, what what more can you say? Yeah, it was remarkable. I, I haven't watched the uh, the darts for years, actually. I, I have never really bothered with it, but um, yeah, we were certainly tuned in watching the semi-finals and the final. Well, in fact, the quarterfinals. We saw. I think we both saw the quarterfinals as well, all because of of, of the littler story, of course. But uh, yeah, I suppose the <clears throat> the final result. Then you probably, uh, if you transposed it, it would turn out as Leeds United seven, Manchester United four. I suspect that's a scoreline you're not going to see very often. Then. <laughs> but yeah, well done to to Luke Humphreys. It was a terrific effort. And I think he got seventy three. 180s in the tournament. I heard that figure today, I think. Which well, was, he, he uh, got 73. Yeah, he himself got 73 oh, through the tournament, oh. which is a, a remarkable statistic. Jim, I, I know you weren't going to do the darts, so I can happily come to you uh, third, knowing that uh, you've not been robbed of your story. No, a couple of, couple of uh, quick postscripts, though, to do a little. I, I mean, I do watch the darts, and I did watch it. Um, <clears throat> first thing is, he's going to be in the Premier League. And this year, the Premier League has got the the eight best dart throwers in the country without any doubt, or in the world without any doubt, in it. It will be some competition this year, the Premier League. Certainly tune into that every Thursday. Um, uh, Luke Littler, just to put him in context, he was the world youth champion. He is the world youth champion. And he hadn't lost a match since September. So he wasn't somebody who was so much of an outsider when this all kicked off. And the other remarkable thing about the final was that neither of them drink. One because he's not old enough and the other one because he doesn't. So <laughs> you you tell me the last time a World Darts Championship was contested between two non-drinkers. Uh, but anyway. Do you, remember, do you remember Jockey Wilson? I don't think that yes. liked him. Yes. <laughs> five five four, before he played, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry, but, but yeah, I wasn't going to talk about that. Um, neither was I going to talk about the... Uh, Shortest test match in history. Joe, it wasn't yours, Tony, um, uh, which has just concluded today. Only lasted 642 balls for India to beat South Africa in a day and a half. So um, the, the next nearest one was in 1932, where that was 656 balls. So, um, so, so that, that, that was that. Um, but I'm going to mention two things. Firstly, uh, this is a campaign. Um, and I came across this by, um, not exactly by accident, um, but there is a young lady from Leeds by the name of Helena. 
and Elena thought she had set a new world record for the Guinness Book of Records because she she contacted Guinness Book of Records and said, what do I have to do to get a world record in this particular thing? And they said, you have to do this, this and this. And she did it all. And what, in fact, she did was that she hung from a climbing frame for more than 35 minutes. Um, and it broke the previous record for a female dead hang, which was 12 minutes. So very joyfully, this eight year old, she's only eight, um, sent off this uh, video of her doing this. Um, and the Guinness Book of World Records have rejected it. And they said that the reason they've rejected it, because under 16s are unable to attempt this particular uh, dead hang because of its, quote, highly physically demanding nature. So this young lady, having asked what she had to do, was not told there was an age limit. She promptly did it. Um, and Guinness Book of Records have promptly rejected it. Um, and this has caused, as you can imagine, some fuss. And her local MP, um, Fabian Hamilton, um, is now on the case. And he is petitioning the Guinness Book of World Records. So anybody listening to this programme who feels, as I do, this immense sympathy for Helena, um, uh, you need to contact the Guinness Book of World Records and tell them to get a finger out and get this world record accepted and satisfy this 11-year-old, this 8-year-old's dream of having a Guinness Book of World Records. And if they didn't tell her what she had to do, then that's their problem. It's not a problem that should be allowed to detract from her achievement and take away her satisfaction of having done this. So come on, let's get behind Alina. Um, and finally, I was just going to say um, that um, Ian Marsden's not here this week, but his book, Putting on a Show, which is all about Notts County's um, promotion push last year, will shortly be hitting the shelves. And therefore, if um, uh, if you've got some spare cash after Christmas and you want a good read, look out for Putting on a Show by Ian Marsden. That's me, Tony. Thanks very much, Jim. Yeah, I was actually going to mention that at the end, but you've uh, you've done that one for me. So, so thank, thanks very much for that. Uh, my, my moment of the week um, is rather an ironic, ironic one, really. Uh, which was um, the fact that uh, it dawned on the owners of Birmingham City that just because somebody was a great player, it doesn't mean they're going to be a great manager. Uh, they uh, sacked a guy called John Eustace when they were sixth in the table uh, earlier in the season and brought in Rooney because he had a higher profile. Uh, he may have had a, a higher profile as a player, but the profile of the club has seen them sink from sixth in the table to, I think, 20th. Uh, and just above the uh, the relegation zone in the championship when they decided to uh, to, to give him the push. Um, so he, he's out of a job and Birmingham are looking for a new manager. And uh, that, to me, was uh, just an example of some rather poor management, uh, just assuming that uh, because somebody's got a big name, they're going to be a, a good manager. Uh, Rooney's not proven as a manager yet. He may well yet to come to be one, uh, but he's he's still got something to prove. Anyhow, that uh, that does bring us to the end of this first 2024 edition of The Huddle. Uh, my thanks go to Alan and Bill and especially to Jim for stepping in at late uh, late notice tonight for their contribution. And of course, to you for listening. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just recovering from a bit of a cold myself. I hope you've enjoyed the programme and that you're uh, that you'll join us again in the near future. <clears throat> but hopefully 
uh, when you do join us, you won't be in hospital. We hope you'll be able to be up and about again soon and that you'll catch up with us on Spotify or any of the other platforms that you find your podcasts. And please do pass on the message to anyone else you think might be interested. Uh, as Jim said, Ian's book uh, is uh, is due to be out very soon, putting on a show. Uh, it's had a great review, one review I saw, and we wish Ian well with it. And no doubt if you'd like to get hold of a copy, uh, we will be able to tell you all you need to do to do that in future editions. So that's an incentive to come back and listen again in the very near future. And we hope you will join us again soon. But for now, take care. Goodbye.